school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Barney. Mike and Deglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, and stream it on Hulu. Oh, the practice. Mike ran 10 miles, and I lied about my weight on my Xbox. Ah! My poor niece just got hit in the head with a softball. Out of practice! And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, going week by week through David E. Kelly's Emmy award-winning show, The Practice. Today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 28, Rhyme and Reason, the season finale. And we tried to put way too much information into our uh, opener, didn't we? (laughs) Well, you did. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Wait, what happened to your niece? So on my phone here, as we're doing this podcast, my brother keeps texting me because it's my niece's second softball game ever. She's not, um, she's like jumping from thing to thing, trying to find out like what's her sport, what's her, like, I don't want to say passion, she's too young for that, but you know, they're trying to get her involved in stuff. You mean the thing that we've been doing for the last 40 years? Yes, that. Anywho, she's playing softball. It's the second week. Last week, she uh, is a little timid. She, (laughs) you know, she's learning. She's learning how to play. She's 10, I should say, or 11, 10 or 11. Sure, sure. And uh, so my brother FaceTimes me, and I'm like, hey, I can't FaceTime right now. I'm about to do this really important podcast. Very important. But he's like, oh, just watch Bella's at bat. Just watch her at bat. The second we started rolling, she got plunked in the head with a softball, and I just ended the FaceTime. So, Wait, so you saw it live? It live, yes. That's why I was laughing, because it happened literally as I was about to think of something to say, and I just saw it just went plink, and I was like, okay. So she got hit by a softball live while our opening theme song was running. Yep, just so just like our audience, metaphorically, they are about to be hit in the head with a softball. <laughs> Uh, it also happened literally. Wow, that's amazing! And I should uh, I should give you full credit. You just did a ten miler. I did. Uh, I turn thirty nine years old uh, in one month. In one month, on the thirteenth of November. Snapper, yes. I've been thirty nine for eight months. And uh, I haven't run in a while, so I decided I was going to run this half marathon on my birthday. And uh, I've been training up. Today was my first ten miler in probably a year, and uh, it went pretty well, I have to say. I'm Thus far, feeling good, although I'm going to need calories pretty soon, but hopefully this won't be two hours long. Uh, good luck with that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Keith, yes. what, a, what a weekend to be alive. The new, uh, the new Breaking Bad movie is out. It's beautiful outside. Pumpkin spice is everywhere. Sports are in playoffs. There's 4K football 4k baseball if you are a tech nerd tv movie nerd geek whatever terms you want to use this is a great time to be home alone with no wife 
Wife. It, <laughs> well, that's sort of a combination of wife and life, and right now we have neither. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, you have all those wonderful things. I'm watching a chicken wander around in the alley behind my uh, building today. That is, oh, that is an illusion that I think we can all get behind. Indeed. Okay, so we are talking. I- I'm excited to dive back into the past because I have something excited, uh, excited, exciting for my uh, this day in the basement. But I think we should start talking about the season finale. Of season two of the practice, are you excited? I'm not only excited. I feel like we need to uh, give ourselves some snaps and a pat on the back. We did. We have made it through two seasons, and this season feels like it was an eternity. Well, because it was the longest season in like television history. It basically became like a soap with 200 episodes a uh, year. There were soaps. There was life. There was death. There was action-packed sequences. There was hangings. There was priests. There was all kinds of things. We invented a whole bunch of new bumpers. Keith, the the, the public wants to know, will yes. next week be a short, bite-sized episode as we revisit the season fina- the season as a whole before we start season three? You know, that's a really good question. Because uh, we did do a season one sort of recap episode, but nobody wants to listen to it. <laughs> That's true. I did. I, I guess if we if we look at analytics, that's what that's what people are saying. But if baseball has taught us anything this year, is that analytics are worth bullshit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. I mean, we definitely need to award the season uh, oopsies, oopsies, which you know, obviously, much more prestigious. The uh, the award ceremony is much larger. Uh, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to figure that out. But you know, we have one thing to do before we do that. Okay. The season finale. Oh yeah, of good the point. Practice. Good point. Which aired on May eleventh, nineteen ninety eight. Coming up on the uh, the end of my high school years into the spring, and it brings us to this important question, Degs. What was going on this day in the basement? Oh, Keith, I'm checking. We didn't get any mail this week, did we? Did we? Nope, we didn't. Okay. Um, so as you were getting ready to graduate high school, I was in my junior year, and my high school did our big class trip uh, in during the junior year for whatever reason. And our junior trip was to none other than Disney World. It was my first Jeez. time going to Disney as a quote unquote grown up without my family, with some of my best friends who I'm still best friends with today. And I have to say, it's sort of a, a nice uh, bookend for me because uh, next month is not only my birthday, but it's also my 20-year high school reunion. And Are you going to go? I am going to go. And, you know, it all started that junior year of high school. You know, in high school, there's a lot of different cliques. There's a lot of different uh, Indeed, people. I was ostracized from all of them. I was the direct opposite, it turns out. Like, once I was gotten to this band that we talked about... Um, it sort of opened the door for me to straddle all the different cliques. I wasn't in any of them particularly, but I wasn't not in them, if that makes any sense. I had the like yeah. magical power to like weave in and out of them. So I wasn't, <laughs> nobody really adored me, but I wasn't ostracized. And so... <laughs> the word you're looking for was tolerated. Yes. But because of that, during that junior class trip where everybody was in Disney and living their best lives... We had an absolute blast. I had an absolute blast with so many different varieties of people that 
I'm looking forward to this reunion, not just to see my good buddies, who most of whom I'm really still good friends with, but people I haven't actually seen in 20 years and have only caught up with through social media. And I want to see who has kids and who's who's rocking it. And unfortunately, we a, a great number of people have passed away, which is really sad. Yikes. But yeah, a lot of drug use in my graduating class. Oh, really? Yeah, they, not, we couldn't all go into musical theater to stay on the straight and narrow. Uh, that yeah. all said, uh, May May eleventh, I was I was rocking Disney with my high school friends, who I will be seeing again uh, next month. Keith, I know you're excited. I know you're jazzed up. You got something special for us all. Let's talk I, about what you were doing this day in the basement. Well, I gotta tell you, this is sort of a high school reunion for me. Okay. So uh, this time was the debut of the first musical I ever wrote. Oh, okay. That I wrote a an original musical with my period five music theory class. Mm. And uh, it was an incredible uh, group of us. There was, I think, five of us. And we wrote a musical called Moment of Life that we not only, as part of our classwork, wrote an entire musical with a score and a book, we also performed it. We went to our high school auditorium one night and did a performance of the entire show. For people? For people. I mean like our parents. Yeah. And uh but it was uh it was quite this moment of life, you could even say. Uh <laughs> we did a music video of the opening number, we did sort of a cast recording deal, and uh just this week, I was able to extort uh, Nate, my oldest friend, to f- fire up the old mini disc and actually pull off the cast recording, which features the first song and the first lyric I ever wrote in my entire life. Oh, I'm, I can't wait! Yeah, I, well, this I, is the uh, this is the opening or the theme song of the show. Delusion, depression, bad impressions and relationships That's high school, that's no fun, that's no fair But it's the best time of your life It's the best time of your life Now this was uh, the first moment of life I'll do the... uh... A crucial moment So I wrote this lyric with the other guys And Marie Whiteford, Whiteford at that point, wrote the music She was like a little musical, like prodigy which was very annoying because i've gone into this for a living and uh really had to work hard on it and she just like oh here just genius that i just sort of came out of nowhere but this was so what happened once we got all these songs down is that we emailed each other for the first time since we did this so this week i've been emailing and catching up with the people who i wrote this musical with so with uh with with Jess and Nate and Julie and Marie, it's been so fun to get back into this. Where and do they Where do they all live now? They are all. Uh, Nate and Julie are still in Vermont. Uh, and Marie are all f- still in Vermont. Jess, we actually talked about in a previous episode. She's the one who did the TED talk. She's out in Seattle. Oh, right great! Now. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I it, this was it was fascinating to listen to music that you wrote back when you were in high school. Now you. And your band actually, like, wrote good, legitimate stuff. 
Uh, that's debatable. I also, on the side, let's not forget, was a 16-year-old hard on the sleeve. I've got hard drives full of songs I wrote that are not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, my the song that I wrote for this is terrible. The, the one that I wrote the music for. Uh, my lyrics were, like, not bad for, like, a 17-year-old kid. But the first song I ever wrote as the music, the the difference between my abilities and Marie's abilities writing, and Nate's abilities writing music, were just like a slap in the face when he started <laughs> playing my piano part. But I really loved it, and it was great uh, to catch up with everybody. Has the... it So... People should know this about Keith. He is, I would, I don't want to, I'm not trying to overstate the fact, but I would say that you are a prolific writer in that, uh, now I should say I'm a huge fan. I'm a big fan of of Keith's work. So taking that off the table though, so it doesn't sound like a gush fest, you're prolific in the fact that Keith never stops writing. You're always writing. He's writing a book or he's writing a musical or he's writing a play, something. That's um, true, yeah. Which is uh, a, a an aspect of your personality that i really appreciate and admire have has did you just talking to your buddies did it kind of like trigger anything in you do that's like i we need to write a song to kind of visit where all of us are now just to kind of bookend this thing i've unearthed oh <laughs> well you know we were talking about uh all getting together and just like get a bottle of whiskey and like sit by the piano and do a late night jam sesh and which i, I think would be so much fun but then we were all like Oh man, is that going to like throw us back into our high school dynamics? And am I going to get insecure about everything all over again? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. No, I. You know, I. Th- the other thing about this musical is Julie said that she still has a copy of the script. Whoa. And because I I hadn't heard any of this stuff in twenty years, and I'm like, I don't even know what happened in this musical. I don't remember the story <laughs> that we wrote. What and I some think. Of these- what Go ahead. I, yeah, what I think is really magical is that I, I just picture you guys rocking out. You wrote a musical. You're seniors in high school. The, your life lies ahead of you. That music was so upbeat. It was so like it was a moment in your life. And then you right? spent that moment by going home and watching the season finale of season two of The Practice. <laughs> <laughs> I sure did. Which we're going to watch again right now. We are indeed. So, this episode, as I mentioned before, was aired on May 11th, 1998, and it is time to start, time to talk about what was going on in the world on that day. Happily, the number one song continued to be too close by next. We were really close to uh, another song, but it's you know For what? all that slow dancing, we weren't all doing... That's, no, I, I was not too close to anybody at this time in my life. No one was interested. <laughs> the top movie continued to be Deep Impact. And the front of the Burlington Free Press talked about Airlines C-737's Grounded. Which is really ironic because now, today, the 737 MAX has gr- has been grounded. Mm-hmm. So, 737 has not ever gotten off to a great start as an airplane. Well, you know that old saying... If it's broke, just make it bigger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why our, our uh, podcasts keep getting longer <laughs> right, and longer. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's funny. So this episode 
not surprisingly, was written by David E. Kelly, series creator and who just wrote everything, but it was directed by a first time The Practice director. It was Jesus Salvador Torevino, who also did three episodes of Deep Space Nine and five episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. That was too loud. Uh, it was also, he also directed Sequest, Babylon 5, and my favorite one of his credits beyond Star Trek, he directed five episodes of MathNet. I love MathNet. Which uh, starred my good friend Tony DeBuono. She was Pat Tuesday, uh, and she played uh, Kathy in the original production of I Got Fired. Three, two, one, contact. Three, two, one, contact. Indeed, what a great show. Loved it. Now, now, now that I'm playing, it's interesting. So, MathNet. For those of you who don't know, three, two, one, contact was was literally a, a PBS show about math. Three, two, one, contact. And is they the did. Da, da, is the something? Is the da, 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 da. It was basically take. Take Sesame Street, make it all about math, marry it with a sketch comedy show, and you had sort of math, you had sort of 321 Contact, which always ended with MathNet. Right. Which was basically an X-Files spoof. Right. But, but about... But it was math. serial, so like it would, yeah. it would last the whole week, and then Friday you would find out who the perp was or whatever. I had my guitar lessons right... At the end of the episode every Friday. So I would get oh, through the no whole kidding. week of MathNet and then miss the ending because I had my guitar lessons, which sucked because there was no DVR at the time. And so I never, my sister always had to tell me what happened, which is the oh worst way to, to get a show explained to you is to have someone have to tell you what happened. Oh, that is the worst. The worst. But oh. right after it came, uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? So I got my to watch that. Oh, yeah. My favorite part about MathNet was they would whip around corners like like having a gun, but they held their calculator like it was a gun. Awesome. It was amazing. Well, oh, will, we get a, will we get a YouTube strike if, I, if we put the theme song to MathNet at the end of the episode just for fun? Oh, well, <laughs> we, got, we struck out with YouTube. <laughs> right away. Right All away. together. We, much so, like my niece, we got hit right in the head with a softball directly we, when we started playing. <laughs> so that brings we, us to a segment we like to call What Does Mike Think's Gonna Happen Today? Okay, so the episode is entitled Rhyme and Reason. Now, if you're looking on your IMDb, as I know you are prone to do, it's true. You are going to look at the picture from it, but that picture is not from this episode. Interesting. So that cannot help you. Now, they're always very clever. Not always, but they generally use the title later in the episode uh, in like a line to kind of hit us over the head very hard with what the point was. So if I'm thinking... Are you, rhy- say, are you saying that there might be a, a rhyme and a reason to the episode titles? Yes, although my guess is that you more hear the term of phrase, the turn of phrase, there's no rhyme or reason. So uh, uh. I'm going to say that there's a crime committed that is just like, <clears throat> cra- I don't want to say crazy, that's weird, but like just nonsensical, maybe. So it's like, 
it makes it very difficult. The the bigger question for this episode, let's get a bonus. So that's my guess. It's gonna. The, I mean, that's kind okay. of that's lame. That it's just. It's, I don't think it's lame at all. I think it's a terrific guess. But there's another. There's a special since it's a season finale. What does Mike think the cliffhanger will be? Ooh, interesting. Because there's got to be a cliffhanger, right? It's '90s television. Well, one would one would think, although we did not have a cliffhanger coming out of season one. Yeah, but I don't know that they knew for sure there was a show coming out of season one. That's true. This is tough because generally, I'd think they kind of blew their wad on the on the cliffhanger because Jimmy almost died last week. If we, right. re- if we remember, as someone else did die, be by being hung out of the window by uh, Mick Rambo, Bobby R- Mick 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 Rambo. You know, I was working on the uh, social media for that, and uh, by the way, we now have 400 uh, hey, Instagram followers. Yeah, Thanks, right. bots. Uh, but the I was putting up like hashtag Bobby McRambo. Problem is that's two layers of inside joke because it's Bobby. <laughs> Donald, but because you call him Bobby McDonald. So, like, even the. It's so, like, out in left field that it doesn't even make sense to people who know both the practice and Rambo. You have to know the practice, this show, and Rambo in order to get that. But well, that didn't stop me. No, of course. I mean, we might as well go inside the inside joke because I'm loving it. We. I think. Let's, you know what? I'm not going to stray too far from, let's just take what they give us. I think the cliffhanger is going to have something to do with romance. Okay. It's going to have to do with girls loving boys and boys not loving girls or whatever that Ingrid Microsoft song. Boys love girls, love Helen, whatever that song is. You know the one I'm talking about? (laughs) No. Okay. Um, I'm sure your brother does. Can I just say, I'm so impressed that your brain works right now. I mean, as much as it does, but you, you <laughs> yeah, ran- I think there's plenty of people who would beg to differ. <laughs> you ran 10 miles and you know where you are and what's happening. I literally did nothing this morning. I've been, I have been building custom players into NHL 20 and I don't know where I am right now. Well, I mean, I, outside of that 10 miles in this podcast, all I've been doing is existing as a fake cowboy in a video game. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so satisfying when you get on that horse and you get like you bond with that horse and you feed him a carrot. <laughs> it's very emotional, though. Yeah, it's prepare a lot. yourself emotionally. There's a lot going on. Well, Red Dead One wrecked me. Uh, no, sp- I guess we won't spoilers for a ten year old game. Uh, <laughs> anyway, don't let's watch this episode of television. Let's do it. But first, uh, let's run this ad. Season finale. Of the practice. Oh, we're Can you doing hear that, now. I hear it. Going. I don't care about everybody else. You're not. Dad? No, never mind, Dad. You are it's not nice going on an unsupervised camping trip. In we got some purple stuff. A large backyard. Some really sunny day. Can we just eat, please? That is not supervision for nine 13 year olds. I'm sorry. Is it just overnight? Girls and boys. No, I am sorry. I'm so sick of never being able to... She treats me like I'm 10. I'm treating it's you like you're ridiculous. ridiculous. Don't speak to me in that tone of voice, young man. Ah, uh, speaking of this day in the basement, boy, does yes. this conversation sound just like something that sounds familiar <laughs> to me. But Seems dad, but mom, but dad. But mom, but dad. All right, should, should we, uh, let's, let's introduce mom and dad and the kid while we're stopped. Who's dad? Kid. Who's 13 dad? but not 10. Mom and dad. 
Dad! <laughs> Dad, Mom oh. said it was okay. Dad. Mom said it was okay. All right, so Mom is played by Allison Martin, who you would know from American Princess, Grace and Frankie, Mad Men, Terminator, Sarah, Cro- Sarah Connor Chronicles. Sarah Chronicles. Sarah Chronicles and Blades of Glory. Dad is played by Avar Brager, who you would know from a lot of different things, because he shows up everywhere, but you would know him from Meat. Oh, good Lord. Did you say Meat? <laughs> you I'm would know him. I say Veep, but I said Meep? <laughs> I thought you said Meat. I was like, he, there's a show called Meat? This is not gonna be my best episode. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. Keith, I can't quite remember. What how did the sound how did the theme song for the for the very popular sitcom Meat go? <laughs> if you're hungry and you have no dinner, don't get some pasta. You're gonna want some meat. Mm, I love the the scanting and the rhyme in that. Okay, That's moving. Who, who's the kid who is uh, who is ten? Hold on, we have to finish talking about the dad. Oh, my bad. Who was on the great uh, sitcom Meat, which was a <laughs> sequel to Beep? Uh, he was also on Veep, Masters of Sex, the Annabelle movie, Criminal Minds, Prison Break, Boston Legal as a different character. He's also on The Practice as a different character as well, coming up later. And he did two characters on Star Trek Voyager. And, uh, I'll play it. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. And he was in the movie Chud. Remember that? Chud. Cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller or something like that. Not Not the ceremony of Chud. No. No, no. Not from it. Uh, anyways. Good movie. Scary movie. Uh, and the kid is played by Jer Adrian Lelliot, uh, formerly Jeremy Elliot, but between filming of this and uh, today, she has transitioned uh, just recently, a couple of years, uh, but she was also on Smallville, Seventh Heaven, Safe Harbor, Mel- Melrose Place, and Picket Fences. God, I loved Smallville. Oh, what about, the, what about the kid? That was the kid. Oh, 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 the the daughter, the kid sister. Kid sister was played by Samantha Telly. This was the only thing she ever did other than a reality show called Small Talk. Kid sister and me. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Tanner. Kevin, I don't care what they're doing. If Kyle Tanner jumped off a bridge, would you? Hell yeah. You ever met Kyle Tanner? He's cool shit. Kyle Tanner's the shit. Shut up, Carol. Unacceptable. The other kids think I'm a That girl's awesome. Shut up, Carol. Kids. (laughs) Why do I have to? That is enough. You don't talk to your mother that way. This just in: that kid's gonna kill someone. Ooh. (laughs) Big swing. What's gonna happen? It's a bunch of kids in an overnight tent. Is it really that big a deal? I don't want to say that I've never killed one of my parents because they didn't let me go to a camping party, but... What message do we send? But you you feel like, were you in the situation, be like 50-50 chance. (laughs) All right, Carol. Kevin told me to shut up, and that's... My dad had this weird thing. He'd always say no, but then he'd always say yes, mere an hour later. It was like this thing he tried to, like, do some mental game, but it didn't make any sense. I think he was yeah, trying so to like what, make it seem like he was such a cool guy because he'd say no, but then he'd relent. But like you kind of knew it was happening, so after a while, it lost some pizzazz. Okay, yeah, no, that's interesting. My my parents were like the 
you can ask for it, but only once, and you have to pretend you don't want it very much, and you have to be like, the, the cooler you were about rejection, the better likelihood you're gonna gonna get it. It was this weird. That's so Vermont. Such a it's so New England waspy. Oh, you know what? In fact, it, it brings me to a trailer, I uh, a bumper I'm, I've become very fond of. I'm gonna call for this early. Oh, what is it? Oh, the one that the only oh. one I control. <laughs> Keith is pompous. <laughs> One time, Keith, my mom, to show how directly opposite my mom was, there was this stopwatch that I really wanted for Christmas. And I kept A begging my mom. Yeah, I don't know why. I kept begging my mom for it. Begging, 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 months out. Right. So finally she goes, I can't take it anymore. She drug me by my t-shirt down the basement into the utility closet where she hid the Christmas presents. So she ruined Christmas for me, ah! grabbed the present that she had already bought for me that I was begging for, threw it at my face. And she was like, there you go. Now you've ruined everything. <laughs> and then left me there. Oh my God. So that's my mom. That was my mom's calm parenting. Oh my God. So new bumper, <laughs> traumatic <laughs> memories of Mike's. <laughs> Uh, I love you, Mom. Yes, it is. I think maybe we have to explain the reason and not always hit him with no. Well, honey, I did give him a reason. He just can't accept it because all his friends are going. Holy shit! No! Kid's got a gun! Oh, he shot Mom. Dead. He just shot her twice! Oh, listen to those cheesy strings. Oh, fuck. Hey, guess what? You just shot your mom twice at the dinner table. So, so many things. So many things. So she did. I mean, I guess he has a motive. Her ass said no. I mean, technically, yes. I mean, it might... I, I suppose I could categorize it as a slight overreaction. Well, he's he's not a little kid. She's clearly said she's she's he's been denied things he wants before, but this is the first time he's murdered his mom. That's true. That's true. And and just in case if you're keeping track at home, we're going to refer to the character as a him, but the actress as her. We get her pronouns correct because she does now use female pronouns. Oh, okay. But the character is yes. You know, they did that thing, Keith, though. They used the same weird slow motion as the flashbacks, only since it was happening in the present, it was not in black and white, but it still had that weird, cheesy, like, 20 frames per second thing going on. It's right. Now we are well aware that this was shot and edited in the 90s. We're having a very very on brand for Halloween with this... uh, No, it totally is. The score... Keep it in a safe upstairs. Kevin knew the combination in case... He had to shoot his mom. Right. For <laughs> emergency uh, parent uh, matricide. You say you didn't want to kill her? What did you think would happen if you shot her? She'd let me go to the party? <laughs> 
I was just so mad. Look at that single tear from oh, the kid. Oh, there it is. She's going for the know. oopsie, like, yep. right away. I was not throwing away my shot. <laughs> what have you done? That was a sick oh, Hamilton reference. Look at the What's this? What's that? Look at the None office. Of the whole office has like been repainted and rearranged. There are huge plants in every corner instead of fans. So new partner Lindsay, who doesn't want to change anything, as she stated last episode to Eugene, changed everything. Changed, but it looks it looks much it better. Point it point now looks the point being, even more ragingly nice. We feel confident that we have all the resources. I'm afraid of computers. Where's my stuff? Where's my photos? I have a meeting with John Monahan of Crutcher and Dunn. He's exploring the idea of using us for their class action asbestos. Really? They heard about our tobacco cases. Asbestos? Plaintiffs. We'd be on the side of merit, Eleanor. And the case is huge. You'd be able to fill your other ear with metal. Funny. But we're never going oh. to hang them <laughs> That was funny. To it. Oh, is that snap. what this is about? Partly. They want us to actually try the case? Also, Jimmy has a cane now, which is a good about. sort of continuity from uh, the last episode. Up. Eugene's I'm going, going to into prison to your client. I sure hope that Lindsay left the spare tire in Bobby's office, though. I mean, just as like you know, a tribute. As a woman, well, I think they could make like a coffee table out of it. Mm-hmm. We got it. So we have a chance with the video. We got a shot, right? I'd go so far as to even say a good chance, but. Courts don't like to put killers back on the street. But the Constitution, that's like uh, sacred to those judges, right? Sacred. At least it's sacred to somebody. Can I just say? I, I don't oh, know. Oh, jeez. But yeah, most of them have read it. Although shit's going down, man. Scam. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, hold on. Hold on. Pause it right there because I have something to share. Uh, that I posted this on social media last night. But I don't think anybody thought it was real. So everyone was like, what is that? I'm not even going to look at it. But this was uh, our dear uh, our dear leader at a rally last night. And Varney, he's great. You know, Varney's great. <laughs> it's true, man. You are great. <laughs> I am. I am great. Uh, he he, was, that uh, was in I'm, Minnesota, right? Uh, no, that was two nights ago. This was in Louisiana oh, last okay. night. He thinks I'm great. The feeling is not mutual. Ooh, shots fired. Shots fired. Boy is an honor student. He's never been caught in the hall without a pass. This is a book report he wrote about some poetry last fall. Just take a second and read it. This is a good kid. Because he writes poetry? Mr. Larson, you're a friend of the family. That's right. Well, yeah, I mean, I look, you've got the scales of justice. I write town, poetry. I shot my mother, you know. Evens I out. mean no offense, but is that George well, W. Bush? Friends uh, of the family, lawyers can do as more the harm than good. Principal, this boy's in a lot of trouble. He's a good kid. He needs an experienced Early. criminal he's, defense. He's good at the poetry. She's got them words. She just puts them all together. Reminds, really reminds me of my buddy Ellen. My, my Ellen, yeah. Attorney. That's how we have camera. relevant pop culture references I, in this podcast. That's what? how we keep the listeners in engaged. As my brother Scott would say, I did the pop culture. <laughs> Do you know Bobby Donnell? I've certainly heard of him and not all good. For this stuff, there's nobody better. In What's bed. more, he doesn't phone it in. Call him. In bed. Wow, so she just... 
Okay, so she's thinking of maybe joining that law firm. So now she's referring people over there. She is. And and also, this is a very ethical move for her because she's the prosecutor on the case trying to prosecute this kid. But she's also saying uh, he should get a better lawyer, which I, I feel is a, is a good uh, thumbs up ethically for... Uh, I don't disagree, but that said, once you've put a murder hit out on police officers, just about anything else you do is pretty much more ethical. That's that's true. The bar is First very thing, low. I'd like to speak to him and his dad. But still kudos. We still got Good. credit, even though we're bad people. No problem. Boy who shot his mother. Oh, God. Paper said it was because he couldn't go on some camping trip or something. Where did these kids come from? I mean, how, how did they get his own mother? Oh, man, what happened up in here? Getting dog. You get kicked out of school. Teacher conference. Half days. Oh, God. Hey. Oh, is that a walk band up, he's got? Or, uh, My mom's out of town. I'm a looks like an right MP3 there. player. Oh, and the cat's away. Oh, is it a Zoom? It might be. No, I think it's a walk. I don't think they had a Zoom back then. But we should introduce... Eugene's kid! Well, I mean, I really think you covered it there, so... <laughs> Yes, we are meeting for the first time Eugene's son, played by Billy Thomas, who will be back next season as uh, Eugene's son. And he was also on a sitcom called The Parenthood. Oh, yeah. Did you know that show? Uh, yes, I know of that show. I didn't watch it. Oh, interesting. I never heard of it. Keith, while I uh, while we roll right here, uh, could you do some crack research and find out when the Zoom MP3 players began? Because it, that doesn't look like a Walkman in full effect. Oh, it was definitely. Man, not this place back is then, the though. bomb. Who um, I'm on it. Do I hear Kendall or do we have another rat? Lindsay, how you doing? Oh, how are you? Uh, Becky, what? What? What are you leaving him here for the afternoon? I gotta be at Appeals Court at two. No problem. Appeals for what? Surely. Uh, well, they even have snacks in the new office. Yeah. What's the grounds? Back and fresh. They always had whatever was in the. Uh, too. Oh, uh, the videotape is on your desk. Oh computer. yeah, no, the first version was in 2006. Uh, so that's course. definitely a Walkman. It could also be a uh, a Game Boy. Game Boy could have been, yeah, but he's got the headphones. Son, I, I argue legal rights. Man, you get the guy off, right? Look here, Chief. Meet me in the conference room. Okay, I'll be right here. What's going on there? And this brings us to a segment called Mike Wasn't Paying Attention. <laughs> what hair was split there? Why is the son in trouble? Uh, well, the son was talking about how his dad's cool because he always gets the murderers off. To which Eugene has mixed feelings about his son thinking that. Because I was paying attention. Also, I've watched the episodes before the we I'm record, sorry. so I, I have lots I didn't of notes. Seven two three two six Commonwealth versus Kevin Blair, minor murder in the second degree. Robert Donald for the defendant, Your Honor. Helen Gamble for the Commonwealth. We ask pending trial that Kevin be committed to the custody of his father, John Blair. Given it's a murder, Your Honor, the Department of Youth Services. In the interests of Kevin, Your I'm Honor. I'm sending him to DYS for now. Oh, relax, Let's conference Helen. This afternoon to make a plan. Thank you, Your Honor.
However, we should definitely talk about... Who's that Oh, wait, I didn't need to add anything. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> that no. bumper is f- complete. I got to cover it. I got to cover it. But I appreciate the effort. I Thanks, really man. do. It, that is some season finale effort you're giving us here. I'm, give, I'm going the extra mile. Yeah. That's much mile, appreciated. Mile 11. <laughs> well, as is the casting department, because this judge is played by none other than Louise Fletcher, Oscar winner. Louise Fletcher, who everyone would know as Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But I know her as the very uh, crucial character of Vedic Wynn on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. A truly uh, tremendous actress, incredibly adept at playing horrible people. Well, not maybe not this judge. Well, uh, we don't know. Thanks We're gonna find this. out. Well, because you spoiled that shit. No, she My played Nurse Nurse Ratchet. Oh, yeah. is like one of the most famous. And Bedequin is a uh, is a bad guy. What happened? Bobby's now? question. Tell me with the court decisions. psychiatrist. I'll be there for that, and we'll sit down with the judge. The big decision is whether he gets tried as an adult or a juvenile. Adult. He's thirteen. I understand. This is his but father. when it's murder, talking to. this is in Arkansas. The political pressure to go adult will be huge. Oh, God. Fortunately, Helen Gamble, the DA, isn't leaning that way. We also caught a break getting that judge. He is completely impervious to politics. I'm glad she didn't grant custody to me. I love my son. But I'm afraid of him. But he killed my wife. Yeah, that's a tough time. Time for me to look at him. Yeesh. Mr. Belair. Obviously, this is the worst thing you'll ever go through. It's. And I know he probably needs me to hold him, hug him. Well, I mean, on the positive side, if he is tried and found guilty as an adult, he'll have plenty of people to hold and hug him. Boom. I can't bring myself to. I was I was literally about to say I like this beat here that brings you, him into the real world and is like very heartfelt and adds depth. Oh, it's good performance from Ivor Broger. Sure. Broger. Double G, probably Broger. You know what criminal lawyers do. We make sure that everybody gets their right to a fair trial. That's what I do, you know that. I know. I'm not in the business of getting murderers off. What you do sometimes? It's my job to make sure that the government can prove their case. Because if they don't, if they can't, then they shouldn't be able to put people in jail. I know. You do? Yeah. If somebody kills somebody, you keep the police from proving it and you get the guy off. Well, that's okay. That's uh, not particularly what I said. Also, but- really good casting. He, like, not only is uh, Billy Thomas a good actor, like, he looks just words. like Eugene. I need to hear it. 
I just got so mad. I went running to get the gun. Were you thinking you'd shoot her when you got the gun? I don't know. Maybe a little. Maybe a little. Kevin, I know this is difficult, but for me to help you... Tell me what you're thinking right now. I want to wake up. You want to wake up? I want this to be a dream. She's very good. Yeah. It's not a dream. Really good performance from a kid. But it is a season finale, kid. It is a season finale. Yeah, and I would remind the court this tape wasn't available to the defense at the time of the trial. We understand that, counsel. Are you saying your client would not have been convicted but for this confession? There's no question about it. The state had no witnesses, even though they lied to my client, as you'll see in this tape. Let's roll it. So this is Eugene's case with with the the murderer. This really isn't about that. But if you help me out here, maybe there's something I can do for you. Should we recognize that detective? Yep. I, I think I need my lawyer. Cigarette? No. That's Ray Abruzzo. You get a lawyer. Him many times. He instructs you not to talk this Okay, way. so here's yep. what just happened. Okay. <laughs> I'll, no, I'll, let you, I'll let you do it. Okay, so we had a really cool shot of the judges watching the black and white VHS tape. As right. if it was closed circuit from the lawyer room or, or the right. in- interrogation room. Right. And then the director made this decision that he wanted to now show us like POV <laughs> inside the room. So we're no longer looking at the VHS tape. We're living the, we're in the room. The scene, yes. So now it's a flashback. But, <laughs> but we're still in black and white for no reason. Yeah. It's, it, well, it's like we're, we're now watching the, uh, the confession tape, which apparently they shot uh, on With a, a camera. Film camera. <laughs> they laid down some tracks so they could uh, they could do a, a move. A dolly, yeah. Laid down a dolly. Yeah, they dollied it. Uh, it's really excellent cinematography for a uh, interrogation room. Thing gets all adversary. The lighting is really good. The resolution tripled. Yep. They'll send in some rookie public defender who cares more about covering his own ass. You get your life sentence. But hell. By telling you to keep quiet, his balls stay protected. They even hired extras to be in the background. <laughs> it's amazing. We have two eyewitnesses fingering you Close as the ups. shooter. Oh, they, they've got no two one-shots? The they got a two-shot and two one-shots? The <laughs> These were teenagers you killed. You're facing double life. It's like, I get that, like we've talked about before, the black and white is used to establish it's a flashback. However, we already established in the shot, in the scene, that we were watching this tape. Right. Yeah, it's it is a really bunk major we do the plumbing inside your rectum. Okay, that was a okay. interesting the only sound in life you got right now is direct. Me. I believe it's the same comment the you made. One it is. Why do you want to help me? You didn't go there to shoot them kids, did you? You only wanted their car. The shooting was something that you didn't mean to happen. I'm right, aren't I? I know those kids weren't angels. And I know that you're not a cold-blooded kind of person. 
They fought back, didn't they? You just wanted their car. They fought back. And now Three we're back in scene. You no, know, but we should do this. Guy who shot those kids. You really, you really, you're really knocking them out of the park today. I, I'm really on. <laughs> I am on the softball to the face. Now that is that- inappropriate, Keith. <laughs> she is 11 years old. Uh huh. Well, I'm you know softball, softball. Actually, while you're oh, tell right. me who that, that, per- that, uh, that guy is, I should I should make sure she's okay. <laughs> you probably should. Oh God, there's a really dark version of this. Uh, all right. So that creepy killer was played by Kevin Quigley, who you would know from Sheena, The Secret World of Alec Mack, and the Swamp Thing TV series, which apparently there was, and some murder she wrote. How is your niece? I'm watching the video. My brother just sent it to me again. Uh, by the way, the Swamp Thing TV series is frigging great. Is it? Yeah, it's on the... But you can only watch it on the DC channel. What the hell's the DC channel? The DC has a channel. <laughs> it's like a streaming wow. service. Yeah. Oh, wow. She got plunked right in the head. Yeah, what Ooh. a trooper. She gets up. She runs right to first base. Well, she take your base. So we established that A, she's tough, and B, she knows the rules. So that's good. Hell yeah. All right. Good on you. I, I, uh, I marvel at her abilities. She also, they got a, a new puppy this week, a new German Shepherd puppy, so she's having a banner week. She really is. Nice. Except for the concussion. Well, you know, Wanda she won't remember it, Stephen but it was Simmons. a great week. And your claim is that this confession is unconstitutional. Oh, we know this, Judge. Mm-hmm. We sure do. I will... Judge! Oh. Oh, no, it's going to spare us, because I... We've had to introduce like 40 people so far. I know, it's true. It's been been a heavy uh, guest actor episode. That is Clyde Kusatsu, who we would know from the New Kids in the Block TV series. Magnum P.I., three different characters on MASH, which is, I think, how I know him. All in the Family, he uh, is also on Ally McBeal, and he has a total of 301 IMDb credits. This guy does everything. Uh, he asked for his lawyer. As soon as that happened, the interrogation by law has to stop. That tape made clear. The defendant never asked for his lawyer. Are you he only serious? said he never officially asked. He said at the that very he start. thought maybe he should get a lawyer, but he never directly asked. I think I need my lawyer. I have to admit, Mr. Coffee, you're splitting hairs. If a suspect says, I think I need my lawyer, his intent obviously. He changed his mind. He's not allowed to change his mind. He's not allowed to change his mind. His mind can't be changed by the police officer. No, it can't. As soon as a suspect asks for his lawyer, discussion stops. Here, it didn't. Now, I I have to... Yeah, go ahead. uh, Well, first, I have an announcement to make. Okay, make the announcement. This is important. I'm saying this to all police officers who may be listening. Any... uh, My wife, if she listens this far. Anybody who... And my friends. She definitely will. That's you. Should I ever be arrested or found or need a criminal lawyer? Yes. I don't want Bobby McDonald. I don't want Helen Gamble. I don't want Lindsay. I don't want Jimmy. I want Eugene. Yeah. No, I, I think, yeah, we should, we should do a segment of like, 
if you were in X trouble, which of the uh, team would you have? I totally agree with you. I would absolutely have Eugene. Now, up till this week, he was also the most like physically intimidating, but I believe that has now been acquiesced to Bobby, who will hang you out of the goddamn window. He will literally hang you out to dry. All right, what uh, bone do you want to pick? Yeah, the bone I want to pick here is, in terms of the case they're talking about, I kind of am on the other guy's side. I think I might need a lawyer is different from give me a lawyer. Yeah, I mean, he has been read his rights. He knows he has the right to one, so... And it's... Yeah, and I... I mean, if if you're the cops, if you say... Somebody says, I think I might need a lawyer, you should probably say, okay, do you want a lawyer? And, and clarify that. Give them a yes or no answer. But... I mean, I think I might want a lot of things that I'm not specifically saying that I'm in demanding or asking for. Yeah, if you're in trouble, though, and you're getting lambasted by an interrogator and you sort of make reference to a lawyer, I think I, I agree with the judges in that it is, it is it's a semantic argument. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is. And, uh, and I guess it also it comes down to the competency of the person. This isn't like a Brendan Dassey situation. This guy, you would think, would be able to, like, Spe- oh, man. You know, a deep, a deep making that. a murderer reference. I feel if you're listening to a, <laughs> a podcast about the practice, you've already heard making a murderer. Sounds cliche, man, but a normal kid. Look, the it's, fan is on, ladies and gentlemen. Two seasons in, the fan's on. The fan is on, and the very loud. Is Why is the fan on? It's so I, loud. It is so loud, but you know that goes back to the good sound design. That we absolutely heard the fan and we'll hear it through the rest of the scene. <laughs> Very subtly. Killed his mother. Yes. Normal 13-year-old boys, they don't. I understand. What I'm saying is I found no psychosis, no schizophrenia. So he straight up shot and his mom. He lost his temper and a gun was handy. Do me a favor, doctor, and have the decency to not sound casual about this. It wasn't that handy. He this had to boy, unlock a safe. He was close to his mother. They had a very good relationship. He seems stunned that she isn't coming back. Doesn't that suggest some sort of diminished capacity? He shoots her, but he can't understand why she's not living? It isn't that. Cognitively, he knows. But emotionally, he's experiencing deep grief. And there's nothing in his history. I've only spent a couple of hours so far, but... It's almost like he did it so far. with I found no rhyme or reason. Well, boys just... Don't Almost. shoot their parents. Give me something. You want a reason, Judge? Turn on the news. Violent video Madeline games. will put on experts. They'll talk about family values, bad parenting. Pick up a newspaper. You'll see articles about too much television. Maybe he got dropped on his head at birth. There's no shortage now, of opinions. I'm not a psychiatrist doctor, but she might be the worst psychiatrist in history. She is saying absolute gobbledygook that has no scientific basis whatsoever well mr varney it's been very nice treating you for the past 20 years i feel like we've done some great work and what i've yeah. come to believe is that who the fuck knows yeah no totally it could have been because you watched tv or didn't have you ever oh, played any way, violent video games sure. i play a lot of violent video games yeah okay. yeah it's probably probably what the problem is do you have any friends uh, or do you just kind of like make up uh custom nhl teams and name them after people <laughs> you wish were your friends <laughs> <laughs> Oh, snap, says the guy who's also spending two hours of his Saturday talking with me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I hope I'm on the team. What position do I play? 
Oh, we'll, we'll have to talk about that because you need to pick your position and your number. More importantly, fourteen, maybe thirteen, uh, fourteen, four, fourteen. That's a stupid hockey number, but yeah, you can have it. Uh, well, anyway, what a what this, a what a specific outrage to have. That's a stupid no, hockey number. It's a stupid hockey number. Nobody's fourteen. What's your hockey maybe number? One, What's your hockey number? Eleven, of course. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. For Phil Sims, come on. Uh, anyway, the psychiatrist is played by Joanna Lipari. Uh, who's you know from Persons Unknown, Chicago Hope, Honeymoon in Vegas. But my favorite one of her credits is she is not in, nor uh, in any capacity officially, but she is thanked in the credits of Ghostbusters. How the hell do you know that? I know this. I just know things. Mm-hmm. I, I am deep. Where there's a sign. Who you gonna Little call? League. This lady, he apparently. He threw his bat a few times. He fought at recess on occasion. If you're desperate for a sign, cling to those. But there simply is nothing overt to explain why this kid had an impulse to kill. No reason as to why he couldn't control that impulse. You wanted How about to the be fact that he's a kid? Yeah, you'd think at least as a, th- a psychologist, isn't sort of your gig to be at least inquisitive about it? She seems just like, who gives a shit? Yeah, or at least like talk about the development of the brain. And we'll, we'll get into this later. But like, hello, a child's we brain... It may never be. Can you just? Cl- I'm going to clip just that. Keep going. Hello, a child's brain. <laughs> That's going to be Thank a really you. specific Thank bumper. You. I'm not sure when to use. It's <laughs> funny. So, what are you going to do? Fry the kid. Uh, I'm not sure yet. On the one hand, he... I think I have to charge him as an adult. Wow. That is not the way to go. That is the leap of logic I was not expecting. I was just about to compliment her on how, like, deeply concerned she seemed and how how much thoughtful deliberation she was trying to give it, even though generally she's pretty pit bull. But I take it back. Hello? A child's brain? Yeah, well said. Helen, you said yourself quickly and quietly. I understand, but I'm looking at a pretty mature, well-adjusted kid here. Who gets served? No, he's 13! The reason you brought me in is because this case is different. Do you watch Big Mouth, Keith? I do indeed. I mean, that's all the explanation you need. Those hormones running around, like, between 12 and, like, 15, 16 years old, it's fucking chaos in a, inside no, the it kid. Is, it is fucking chaos. And and the, I guess I'll, I'll take this time to point out that uh, the human brain develops much more slowly than people think. They talk about the, you know, voting age at 18 or drinking at 21 your brain is not fully developed till about 25. And you know what? The last thing that finishes developing is the decision-making process. The thinking about the consequences of your action. Like, that is the last thing to develop that's not even done till you're 25. The kid's fucking 13. This is all uh, physiologically and psychologically uh, correct information given to you by a, a, a doctor whose name is Keith Varney who has studied these things and knows these facts down cold. I have a BM. That is a <laughs> Bachelor's of Music. 
You know what else you have, Keith? Play that bumper, bitch. Oh. oh. <laughs> Keith is pompous and has a loose. Now, what gets served? That's what I keep asking. What gets served? Well, yeah, what let's make gets a decision. Served? I'm afraid it's going to have to be made by you, Your Honor. Shit. I'll set the hearing for tomorrow. This kid is going to lose his life. Part of me hopes you win this. So don't but try to mess with the adult. Who gets served? You have the you have a choice here. <sighs> you shouldn't have a I choice. Go adult. It should be fundamentally illegal to child to try a child as an adult. It's quite the opposite of fundamentally illegal, however, Keith. That's true. It is fundamentally very legal. I don't like it. I don't even know what it is. It's a painting. But it's all jumbled what kind of message does that send you teach kids to color inside the lines they come in and see that the message it sends is jimmy flush, has no concept of abstract Lindsay bought it? he's like he's never alone. seen she it ever once in his life although i won't go off on it now but one of my tr i have a trigger if not on your podcast when are you going to go off on something? i have a trigger anytime the sort of allusion to painting inside the lines is made oh do tell uh, I just, I'm not that kind of person. And An inside the liner? Yeah, and not only that, but I also am not very, um, I'm, I'm not very skilled. I don't have a good facility for drawing and or coloring or staying inside the lines. Oh. So I'll never forget one specific, uh, my senior year in high school, uh, there was, it was a project about something I can't quite remember. And I decided that instead of using computer graphics for everything, uh, for, some of the sketches I was going to, or for the chapter markings, I was going to do them freehand. And I spent a lot of time. And since I'm not really good at uh, calligraphy, I sort of did sort of like a, what would you call it? Like a scribble sort of font I created it. But I just thought it was very creative. I was like, I was right. going for it. I was making a bold choice. Cool. Anyway, my physics teacher, who will shall remain nameless. Um, oh, no. We throw our teachers under the bus if they're bad teachers on this podcast. Uh, Mr. Maz was his name. Fuck uh, you, Mr. Maz. He failed me. Now, I should mention that when this happened, my dad was <sighs> in the in the hospital undergoing his second cancer treatment. Oh, and I was Christ. going through a lot of shit. And he just like, he's like, you're being lazy and you turned in a, a piece of crap. You didn't even try on the chat. Like, he just like totally chalked it up to me being lazy. And I explained to him passionately. I was like, maybe it looks that way, but I really was giving it my, I was going for something. I made a choice, blah, blah, blah. Something you would tell a, an artistic director. Anyway, he wouldn't budge. He failed me on that project that I busted my ass on. Oh, and no shit. It just has triggered me ever since. Like, I, I'm so against the... Anyway. Oh my uh, I uh, no, I have I have a very similar story but from college. We were doing a uh, it was a music theory class and we were uh working on different classical forms. Um I won't go into the details. But anyways, so we were supposed to compose a piece in this particular classical form. So I uh so I did. But the style of the music I I wrote more contemporary. And just for fun, just going for it, I wrote lyrics to it. You know, just like, just for fun to add. It wasn't necessary. It wasn't part of it. And it was, I wrote like a song about riding the bus uh, back from uh, Rochester to Burlington on a Greyhound bus at three o'clock in the morning, which was miserable. 
Anyway, so the teacher gets it back, and it, this was like perfect, you know, in terms of the form, in terms of the voice lead, in terms of like it was li- literally perfect. She hands it back to me. She says, "F, nothing here worth saving. Try again." Oh fuck! And, and I was like, "I'm sorry." And anyway, we get into this long argument where she's like, well, this isn't the classical style. And I'm like, well, that wasn't the assignment. Nowhere in the assignment said it had to be sound like Haydn, had to be in this format, which is perfect. And she's like, well, but what? And then like, and your lyrics were offensive. And I'm like, that's got nothing to do with anything. I don't care if you found them offensive. They were just there for fun. Anyway, I literally just like one of us ended up in tears at the end of it, and it wasn't me. So basically, I, what Keith and I are saying is that as artist type people, we uh, puff up to the idea that I don't understand it equals it's not good. Right. I mean, it also might not have been good. Uh, <laughs> That's but fair. I did, Very fair. Yeah. No. So I, I, uh, I basically handed it back to her and said grade this for real exactly exactly came back got an a oh please also oh, prove please. myself to you be quite the asshole Clients just glance at our track record what matters to them are the cars we drive if they're expensive it's an they asshole. must be good if we look rich no you had to fight the good fight oh i did no 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 she was being completely hey ridiculous. we got an interview Tommy couldn't be better. We're hot off of beating the tobacco industry. Bobby's name is in all the papers with this kid shooting his mother. What are we talking about here? Class action. Thousand plus plaintiffs. Even if we split the contingency, we're looking at seven figures minimum. Seven for us? For us. I love that painting. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy! Uh, three years later, my sister had that same physics teacher and loved him, and he loved her. Interesting. Well, she apparently colors inside the lines. Think they'll win it this year? The Sox? Hey, what's his bucket? Yes, indeed. Mysterious guy, we don't know who it is yet. The guy who did all the stuff with Bob Newhart. Yes, indeed. You know him from 91 episodes of Newhart, but I know him, of course, from Deadwood. This is William Sanderson, also from Blade Runner and True Blood. Uh, Yeah, tremendous and distinctive actor as the mayor of Deadwood, William Sanderson. Next year for the Red Sox. (laughs) Yeah, must be tough playing in this town. Fans have a million years of frustration pent up. Wonder how they managed to play it all. Not so I can't much feel anymore. Sorry, ball players, making that kind of money to play a game in the summer and take the winners off. <laughs> they don't get my sympathy. You're that lawyer for that killer, aren't you? Surely, that guy who killed those two teenagers. You're his lawyer. Yeah. Can I ask you something? How do you do that? I mean, isn't it hard to? Keith, could it be that could the be? cliff the cliffhanger is that? At the end of the episode, Eugene leaves the practice. Oh, well, that's certainly a cliffhanger to the end of our episode. You know, people like that. Uh, every man or woman uh, gets his day in court. Coca-Cola product placement. I understand. No, this guy's pure Cola scum, isn't he? Product placement. 
He's a human being. It's just... Those teenagers, they were my kids. Oh, shit. You like what you do for a living, Mr. Young? You know, Keith, we've never debated this point before. Have we Have we ever debated the ethics of being a lawyer? I don't know, it's, it's new territory it's for me. It's nice show. to see you do draw lines. You'd never sympathize with a ball player. Oh, snap. Wow, did you hear that mic just drop? Yeah. Close. Actually, I couldn't hear it over all this goddamn synths. <laughs> so many sets. So loud too. They're much louder in the mix than usual. Yeah, it went okay. I didn't think the DA probably came a director's back much. choice. We've had so? a few questions with our we director's choice so far. We should win, Brad, unless they want to rewrite the law. But there is no time limit. My bet is they're going to sit on this case a long, long time. And what? Not do anything? You gotta understand, us winning means turning you loose. You kill two people. Setting you free isn't gonna be on anybody's list of priorities. But it went good? I think it did. Yes. When I was assigned this case, every instinct was, let's not make this a bigger tragedy than it all. Interestingly, in this courtroom, that giant fan is usually in the back, and it's not there. Yeah, where's the giant fan? I guess they moved it over to that lady's office. Apparently. Already is. But he committed a very adult crime. It, it was knowing. He it walked It doesn't upstairs, matter. Turned the combination on a safe to the left, to the right, and back to the left. Oh, that's how safe. He loaded work. bullets into a revolver. He walked back downstairs... And executed a human being. He did all of those things very quickly, by the way. He's tried he did. He was really he on top of sentence. it. Let's not dance around that reality. But also, like, a kid He's can drive no a car into a bus, too. It doesn't adult, mean that they're... second-degree murder carries an automatic life still a kid when they did it. to face that. We also have to face what he did. He's 13 years old. If he had impregnated his teacher, the teacher would go to jail, and the world would be saying... He's a child. But because of the politics and outrage of murder, the world says adult. Treat him exactly right as there. Good an point, adult. Bobby. Don't be soft. As much as I feel for this boy, and I do, as much as I feel for his family, I can't escape. The fact that opposing counsel broke up with me, and thus I must take it out on this small, small child. <laughs> Totally. I can't look at him and say he's just a kid. You can say that, Helen. Because he is a kid. But apparently they can't focus that shot and of Louis If you're saying there's Louis no chance Fletcher. of rehabilitation with a 13-year-old and... Another single tier, P.S. No, it's just really performance. Exist as a concept. Really per- Oh, God, my brain. That was really performance. That was, from, he, uh, he performanced the hell from out of From Adrian that. there, yeah. She, excuse me. She really performed that. I'll take this under advisement. 
But I think Bobby's point there about politics influencing this is is a fair one. Like, how you doing, Kim? This whole like tough on crime, fuck you, criminal. Even if you're 13, was definitely uh, politically in vogue at this point. So now Helen is watching the father and son have a moment. We're gonna get through this. The dad is becoming a parent right now. Oh, we got another tear. She's killing it. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dad. I know. So's he, P.S. Yeah. They're gonna fight to the death for the oopsie. I don't know. It, it's sort of a joint performance almost. Yeah. Could it be an oopsie toopsie, Keith, for a season finale? You mean a split oopsie? Tell Carol I'm sorry. Can I not just vote for two? Is that illegal? Definitely illegal. And you are an adult, so you have to uh, abide by those laws and deal with the consequences. Got some more sense. Oh, now Helen wants to cry. Well, she should. Specialist clients, showtime. Here they come. Here they come. Okay, so you're gonna buzz me. What do I say? Anything you want, just stand the line and talk. It's so ridiculous. Shh. There's no need to panic. I'll walk you through it. John, if you go into a courtroom oozing anxiety, the judge will see that. Okay, you're gonna do exactly as We're I say. for Lindsay Dole. It's a pretty good fake phone call by Lindsay here. Great fake phone call, and I'm sure you heard it in the cans. They panned uh, Eleanor's keyboard strokes perfectly right. Lindsay's call was panned left. It was great sound work there. There, well, absolutely, and and uh, uh, Sean, on. hopefully you heard Hi, that. Hi, Mr. Monahan, it's me. Um, let's go into the conference room. Rebecca, could you show them? Right, this of will be course. the last time I play the bumper, guys. I promise. Mr. Monahan from Asbestos. Climb, bringing all that sweet, sweet money. <laughs> Seven figures, the, bitch. Yeah, the guy with the sweet, sweet money is Robert Pine. From Lakeview Terrace, Red Eye, Independence Day, Parks and Rec, The Office, Enterprise, Voyager, Star Trek. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. And he did all 139 episodes of Chips. Because the 12v6 isn't just viable, it will win. You know, I, 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 I have a meeting. I'm, I'm going to have to call you back. is rapidly typing on a computer that's not on. Two minutes, you buzz me. Keith, you want to hear my Cameron Macintosh impression? I would love to hear it. Hold on. I'm sorry, it's a little crazy. I've got a panicked house council in Detroit. Oh, no, 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 stop! Stop your typing into the actual thing! Cutting to it. (laughs) I thought it was off. Your success against the tobacco (laughs) company has our interest peaked. Especially since, um, well, going up against the asbestos industry, uh, we're facing a comparable Goliath. How many in the class? We're up to almost 1,300. Certified? Mm-hmm. We've already survived a motion to decertify, and most of the discovery is done. We have a September trial date. I'm sorry. Yes? Hey, Lindsay. Been to any wild orgies lately? What, call, hey, call Zing! John. John. Hey! Listen, John. Who's the judge. Way to go, David. You got another woman to say orgy to another woman. Oh, Bryce. Compact. Product placement. Albright. Definitely. Okay, I've got him. 
has a reputation for being colloquial. So I definitely want local counsel. She's like typing onto a computer to pretend like she's working, but it's the, the monitor isn't even 11. on. No, I, like, I don't want to file till July, however. I'm just curious. Her acting you performance is so good, but you could just the turn is, the computer um, on. summer home on Lake Ontario. He puts in a three-day work week. He likes to keep his docket down. Statistically, he kicks 30% more cases in July and August. But asbestos John? dudes are John, very I impressed. Lots back. of I'm nodding. Lots okay. of nodding. Okay. Bye-bye. I'm very sorry. You've never done an asbestos litigation, have you? No. But that's not the problem. Can I cut to what I do perceive as a problem? Absolutely. I had a chance to look over some of the pleadings and witness lists. We have no electricity, so our computers Sorry. aren't on. <laughs> we may have a difference in trial philosophy. Which would be? You seem to be emphasizing causation. On these kinds of cases, we tend not to. How do you prove a case without causation? Well, I'm not saying ignore it, but when proving it depends on science, you're putting two to heavy burdens one. on a jury. One, yeah. you're asking them to understand it. Two, you're asking them to we stay away. We tend to go with Anything a more... Uh, I'm sorry. A more radical approach in which we... Uh, put the murderer on the stand and let him just acquit himself. That's generally how uh -huh. we roll. Or we uh, we put somebody else on the stand and accuse them of murder. Uh, yeah, sometimes we have cops killed, but that's only in rare occasions. Yeah, only if it's necessary. Yeah, so anyway. But we, sometimes we also have cops kill other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. is that going to work for you? You seem to Definitely. be emphasizing causation. On these kinds of cases, we tend not to. How do you prove a case without causation? Well, I'm not saying ignore it, but when yes. proving it depends on science, you're putting two heavy burdens on a jury. One, you're asking them to understand it. Two, you're asking them to stay awake. Anything they don't understand, they get suspicious of. And with asbestos, just like tobacco, you have a presumption. They already know it kills. The defense can't pick apart that premise. They can pick apart science. I'm wary of leaving evidence out. Yeah, that's what I figured. We're probably not the right firm for you. Ooh. She's got Flop. the biggest balls Be on the show. Seated. She really does. You know what? You know what I would say? I would say Lindsay is a woman of class action. Hmm. Zip flop, oh my god. <laughs> Under Minnick versus Mississippi, the law is quite clear. When a suspect asks for his attorney, all further interrogation must stop. The tape here was very disturbing. Seeing the police lie about having witnesses, misrepresenting information. Oh, he's going to get him Nevertheless, this kind of police conduct is entirely permissible. And since we find the defendant stopped short of directly asking for counsel. Hey, Keith, you got one. We unanimously find the confession to be admissible. The conviction, therefore, stands. Adjourned. See, I was right. Ha ha ha. Permission to address the court? Permission to address this court? Yeah, yeah, we heard you. Proceed. You people just ignored the law. We've made our ruling and I, I heard your ruling. Uh, the other day I had to explain to my 10 year old how I could come into this room and fight for a man who killed two people. Y yesterday, I had to look this man in the eye. Counsel. Counsel what? You're going to give me a speech, Judge? Tell me how the Bill of Rights, how the Constitution has account for something? I gave that speech to my kid. 
I told myself that while having to look at the father of two dead teenagers, two kids my client shot. Mr. Yeah. Permission to address this court. Whoa. That thing I said about Lindsay's balls, I would like to retract. Eugene's, ball, <laughs> Eugene's balls be big. Oh, yeah. Well, Ten years you know, I've been putting them back out there. Make it a little Criminals, colder. Little sometimes retract. rapists, sometimes murderers. Ten years. All the time telling myself there's a reason. You're ten seconds from a contempt order. Do it! There are rules. Rules, damn it. We don't let the police coerce confessions. We don't let them beat down doors without warrants. We don't let them grill suspects after they ask for their lawyers. My client damn well asked for his lawyers, and all three of you sitting up there, you know it. You're out of order. You're out of order. You disgrace the bench, this room. You just raped the Sixth Amendment. I hold you in contempt. I hold all three of you in contempt. Take him and put him in lockup. See, I... No, you do not just wave off a cop. I'll rot in that cell. If giving you respect is a condition for my getting out. Whoa. Like, Eugene, that was so I'll badass, rot. but I think you're fighting a losing battle. Although I will say that I that was one of my vows during my wedding. To, to badassly fight losing battles? No, I just said, do you take this woman? And I said yes, but I will rot in that cell if respecting you is a condition. I didn't say that. In fact, just saying it right now, I might be divorced. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Jen. So glad you listened to all the way to this first episode. <laughs> first time you've ever heard the whole episode. By the way, the other day, she was like, it was so much fun hanging out. Oh, we were going to go to Single Cut. And she's like, call Keith up. I was like, oh, I thought we, you and I would just go. She's like, no, we had so much fun with Keith. <laughs> she, loved, <laughs> she loved you third wheeling. Ah, I'm a really good third wheel. It's true. We went to Applebee's. It was sweet. <laughs> we totally did. Product placement, Applebee's. Applebee's. Yeah, okay, this is Eugene's no. second time in oh, jail. Two more. Here's my question. His son got let into jail? Are, like, children allowed in to visit their parents? Not in prison, not for, like, visiting hours, but in a holding cell? Ah, uh, he's with Bobby. Although, more importantly, his, did you hear his question when he ran in? Hey, Dad, did you no. punch somebody? <laughs> well, last time he was in, in uh, jail, he had. Yeah, uh, fair. I argue Second time strike. this season he's been Still thrown in the uh, locker. Keep him with me tonight. He belongs in here with me. I'll be back. Wait, what? Thanks again. He just so now happy. just got his son locked up in so jail man. with him. Don't think that's a real thing. <clears throat> Not it's a like a Maury Povich scared straight thing. Jail Uncle Curtis? Yeah. You remember what he went to jail for? They thought he knocked over a liquor store and capped somebody. But he didn't, right? Yeah. And, uh, the reason he ended up in prison is that he fit the description of whoever did do it. And the police arrested him. They kept him in a room for 20 hours. Kept making him drink coffee and not letting him go to the bathroom. Kept telling him that he just confess that everything would go better. Oh, this is why Eugene has a visceral response. And that if response. he didn't confess, they arrest my sister, that they both get the death penalty. See, now, if Tom that were the case, he screamed at the judges about, that would make perfect sense. But? But, his case... He picked the wrong battle. 
Is that the hill you want to die on? That's the question I always ask. It's the wrong hill. He can leave. And after 20 hours, they had him to the point where he would say anything just to go home. And he signed a confession to a crime he didn't commit. You hate the police, don't you? I don't hate the police. Most of them are good people. Kendall, most of my clients did the crime. I won't Fuck the police. Fuck the police. The reason I fight for them is as soon as we allow the police to use illegal methods, sure, more guilty people will be convicted. But more innocent people will too. That's what I fight for. Which is good. I mean, our entire legal system is based on the idea it is Here better it for stay a guilty calm. person calm. to be Look innocent than an innocent Are person to be guilty. I don't know. Stay calm. I, calm. You stay calm. I think that's one of the... His speech there, sort of, in a very simplistic way, outlines my sort of whole political issue right now it's i i am never the farthest left person i try to sit sort of in the middle because that's my job uh, yeah i find i find that kind of swinging back and forth of outrage culture too far left too far right to just be a little maddening however this whole kind of government experiment we have where we're in the midst of is based on no one is above the law, right? Theoretically. Right. Now, granted, it's not perfect, and we're moving towards a more perfect union. We're always trying to iterate. Aren't we? We're well, trying. <laughs> that's that's at least what we've set out to do, according to our founding documents. Right. And the second that... I mean, look, the president and his team themselves released this letter a few days ago, outlining their strategy. That, that didn't basically say. That outright said, not only can we not be... Uh, put on trial, but we can't be investigated. Right. I can't be investigated. So that's only happened, that argument has only ever been used once before, and he was a king, and we had a revolution about it. And so... Even Nixon didn't try that one. Right. So it's a slippery slope the second that anyone, including the... I mean, here it's in his analogy, it's the police, but, you know, anyone uses the legal argument that they are not accountable for anything. They can use whatever means they choose. That's where everything else crumbles underneath that. Because if that's true, then there's no justice or honor or anything to stand by to say that you have any sort of legal rights. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. If it doesn't apply to everyone, it applies to no one. Hi. Mr. Monaghan. Thank you for letting me drop by on such short notice. Sure. Listen, we've thought about it. We would like to hire you. Really? Boom! I am serious about our trial philosophy. I understand. We're on board with it. You obviously get results. Fine. Files will be delivered? Today, I'd like to schedule a coordination conference for next week, if possible. We can do that? Great. I'll be in touch. Good. Okay, so all that bullshit we was talking, Lindsay just potentially made everybody millionaires. She sure did. Yeah, if they win. And setting up an interesting storyline, possibly for season three. Four, three, two, one! Classy. So 
So why do they still have a surveillance camera for the hallway if the uh, creepy doctor case is done? There's always another creepy doctor, Keith. You know that. Yeah, true enough. Is this closing time or no? We have 15 minutes left. Oh, yeah. You know, I bet it is. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. Although, if my memory serves, it's actually verdict time. Well. Close enough. It's verdict time! The past several days I've felt compelled to blame. Easy access to guns, television, movies, brainwashing children with violence, all disgustingly denying any accountability. Blame. But in this room, young man, it comes down to your accountability. Oh, shit. I doubt that you or anybody else in this room will ever make sense of why you killed your mother. There's no rhyme, no reason. And there's the title of the episode. ultimately, no excuse. Boom, you did it. You ended your own childhood. I'm granting the district attorney's petition to charge you as an adult. Fucking hell, nurse judge Ratchet. Ratchet. Well done, Helen Gamble. Yeah, way to just destroy a child's life. If that's your interview for Bobby's Law Firm, I don't know you're getting the gig. Yeah, right? The synths are so loud. <laughs> oh yeah, now now you're all crying, Helen. You did this. What are you crying about? Are you trying to get yourself an oopsie? Because it ain't happening. No, fuck you, Helen. No oopsie for you. <laughs> it's all we've got. <laughs> that is, this is us throwing around our power. <laughs> we all fall where we fall on this, Mr. Donald. Nobody's right, nobody's wrong. We all fall where we fall. No, no, you're wrong. Yeah, but you're the judge. Well said. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I'm the judge. You want to swap places? You could have opted for hope instead of... What makes you think I didn't? You know, I sit on that bench every day, seeing the evil in people. Hope for me lies in the child. Hope won't allow me to see the child in him. He murdered his own mother. But he still is a child. That doesn't sound like legal reasoning to me. Well, legal reasoning can only deal with the consequences of what he did. And I'll be damned if I'm going to send that message to the next 13-year-old with a gun. This. Wait, so the argument there is that that 13-year-old kid was like, oh, well, other 13-year-old kids murder their mother and it seems fine, so now I'm going to do it? Like fucking peer pressure to murder your parents? Correct. Bullshit argument. 
13-year-old. With the power to make you hate God. You know, had this episode been about, I don't want to get too close to the nerve, but a 13-year-old who shot up a school and murdered a bunch of kids and things like that, and the crime was just incredibly heinous. Right. I think it's a... Well, I guess that's more topical to now, but that's... You know, that's... That brings her kind of monologue there into a little bit more focus, the evil of it, right? You're dealing with an evil person, right? Or, that, or at least that that rationale for this. Sure. But they chose a very sympathetic, never had any problems before a kid who shot his mom... I think it muddies the point that maybe they're trying to make. Well, but e- e- even if your point is, it's a, it's a question of someone who is evil, right? Even in the case where it is somebody evil, then that person is insane. And so you, you don't try that person as an adult who is... I mean, like, like why why do people get charged as an adult? Why are there adult consequences? Because you have the... You are uh, holding them accountable for their decisions and their consequences for those decisions. So if you are either evil or a child, you're not able to process the consequences of those decisions. I in also a, think in that the sto- well, I guess we can talk about it later. But I also think that the they they did a disservice to the whatever point they're trying to make into the audience by not fully drawing the comparison between what is being tried as an adult versus being tried as a a juvenile. Mean. What are the consequences? Right. Like, it, yeah. just because you're trial as a juvenile doesn't mean you're getting off or that they're releasing you. You know what I mean? It, it's not right. no, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Right. No, absolutely. No, I agree with you on that. It would probably save him from the death penalty. I believe a child couldn't do that. Or if a child could, role. then that surely is the death of hope. And nobody's talking about there being no consequences. That's catastrophizing also. If a child can do that, there's no hope in the world? Well, Jesus, okay. For, well, what's the point? I mean, yeah, anybody can do it. It's a question <laughs> of how do we hold them accountable? And it's different. Is Eugene's kid still in jail with him? I don't know. But Eugene is like lying there so casual. Like, what's up, ladies? You don't get it. Is that one of the judges? Did you really think we would set him free? I'm naive enough to believe the Sixth Amendment means something. Liberty doesn't lie in the Constitution, Mr. Young. It doesn't lie in the law or the courtroom. It lies in a man's heart. And in my heart... I wasn't going to turn loose a man who I knew would kill again. The spirit of liberty is a spirit which is not sure it's right. If you're going to quote Learned Hand, try to remember the essence of his speech. And the spirit of your ruling judge is that you knew you were wrong. We have to be able to sleep at night, too. And you uh, didn't sleep last no, night, did you? No, your job as a judge is I not to sleep well, it's just follow the fucking law. Now, now I'm back on your Eugene's side. I to look at death and feel nothing but patriotism for playing your part. We all signed up to do our jobs, judge. You betrayed yours. 
And I will not stand here and let you tell me what's in my heart. Now, there's no crime to being a coward. It just shouldn't be cloaked in a robe. Sir, nap. Asbestos class action. Lindsay's backing up a threat to make us flush. I'd probably celebrate more if I were a partner. You will be, Jimmy. How you feeling? Your wounds healing up okay? Yeah. Yours? You mean Spivak? Oh, no. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Jimmy. I'm fine. Good guy. Just a guy. Another one will come along. Plenty of fish. Schools. Good little scene. I was like, at the beginning of the scene, I'm like, this is filler to give these actors something to do. But like, you know what? This is good. Great scene. I've had judges look the other way before, but... But what? Some of the disgust is my own. And my son said my dad can get murderers off. He can get anybody off. It hit me like a train. Since I've been looking at myself through his eyes. What I do. What I am. Again. I needed that appeals court for some kind of validation. Eugene, the disgrace of that ruling belongs to those judges. Not to you. Explain that to my boy, could you? The courts didn't want to put a killer back out there. I did. Explain to him how I'm the good guy, huh? Look, it's not always a meritocracy. I mean, judges rule for the wrong reasons sometimes. Clients choose you. Good guys aren't always right, and the right guys aren't always good, Eugene. Lindsay landed a coup with fake computers, and you know what? That case she got, every firm in town would drool over it. Did they think they were fake computers because they hadn't turned them on yet? (laughs) But what I'll go home and celebrate a little tonight is that you and I spent the last few days fighting for people no firm in this town would touch. I, the one, here's the first real directorial choice that I liked, is that the scene was going so well, Bobby clearly flubbed the line there, choked on it, came back and used it, made it very authentic and real, and so they kept the cut. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I like that. And we both lost. Maybe it's right we lost, I don't know. But what I do know... is What makes the courtroom a noble place is that people like you... Go in there and fight. Are Bobby and Eugene going to make out? That'd they be a twist. Times on principle alone. <laughs> Just awkwardly look for a place to lean on something. <laughs> I don't know it. how long I can keep doing it. I'd say about six more seasons. <laughs> Me neither. Just until uh, we make five, the millions of dollars. Five in more this. seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Eugene has six. Bobby has five. <laughs> oh, Bobby leaves? Oh, I can't tell you that. Well, you just told me that. Fuck. <laughs> hey, a real song, Keith. Right? 
they allowed our real instruments to be played. Oh, we got a montage. End of season montage. Here we go. Montage it up. Helen's feeling lonely. Did I send a kid to jail forever? Jimmy might get lucky with Helen tonight. Except he's with Cameron. I met that. They're walking down the street. I hope I see some steam soon. Eugene is a good dad to his kid. And they seem kind of happy on the street. This isn't busted at all. I just told you. Nurse Ratchet is watching some kids play basketball, hopefully feeling guilty. No POCs at all in that basketball game. No, the whitest basketball game in Boston. Because it's Boston, so you know the games are completely segregated. Don't you kids dare shoot your mothers! She's walking away, we're taking a train shot high above the soundstage. No? There was no, uh... No cliffhanger. Wow. Guys, that is season two of The Practice. We got all the way through. Oh, not yet. We're not all the way through it yet. We got to get through this stinker. Okay, hold on. You stink. You stinker. Okay, I've never seen that the you stinker stinger is the David E. Kelly's name coming out of the TV and knocking an old lady off her chair. <laughs> I don't know. I think David E. Kelly might have had some like issues with his mom and <laughs> yeah. needed to work out. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. All right. So there we are. F- officially two seasons in the books. All the way through. Two sw- well, not quite. Not quite in the books yet because... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating you can't excellence see us both in dancing, but we're both dancing. good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now... Here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oops? I waited this time. Yeah, big win. That's the season two. That's called Iteration and Learning. There it is. Oof, look at that. Oh, are you are you a little sad that it's our last oopsies of season two? Uh, assuming, uh, seeing that the next three years of my life, this is my weekend, uh, <laughs> I'm not particularly sad, no. I feel like I'll, there'll be plenty more to come. <laughs> there will. But first, we must talk about. Most well, Keith, I think there are. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick two. Oh, actually, I have three. I have three nominees. Okay, let's hear it. I think because most of our main cast lost this week. Yeah, interesting. The final season or the final episode ends with two big losses. But I will say that uh, Helen Gamble is uh, part of our team. 
She's part of the show. Right. And she had a pretty big win, although it wasn't... It was a... If she was a cold-hearted monster who condemned a 13-year-old child to the end of his life, essentially. But she did... But, I mean, a technical victory. She, she did win. And I think that that gets her nominated. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Uh, number two, I think for the moral victory, I think I think that Eugene had the most passionate defense of what he thought was right and what a lawyer should be. Even though he was questioning, I thought that he his his passion and his desire to be a role model to his son uh, net him a nomination as well. Okay. But then through sheer uh, skill, through bamboozlement through a well-orchestrated facade as Mm -hmm. well as leaning on the laurels of her past huge victories yes Lindsay dole also brought in a huge fish this week not only did she win the tobacco case but she roped in a huge fish in this asbestos case which i imagine is going to take us through season three i think she probably rope she roped in next season yeah so i don't know that there's any way we can't give it to Lindsay dole yeah no, I I totally agree. I think, uh, like, Eugene was super passionate, but I think he was a little bit wrong in this case. Mm-hmm. Although, you know what? I, I may have to go uh, talk to a lawyer and figure out what exactly the Sixth Amendment rules are in that case. But I need, I need more information. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely. Congratulations, Lindsay Dole, with your final closing season MVL. Which brings up our next very important award. Already famous cause you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best We're dancing again. guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Best guest actor we introduced 500 people in this episode one of whom has an oscar but who wins best guest actor my vote has to go to jer adrian leliot uh, leliot leliot yeah um portraying kevin blair i just thought she was excellent i thought that every scene she was in she didn't even have a lot of lines but i just think no. Being in playing a ch- a child, being in those circumstances, uh, and being a child while doing it, and being a child while doing it, um, I just thought it was riveting. It, I I don't know. I found it compelling. I know there was some. There's some other great nominees, uh, people we could even talk about. But I just like I had said, I also thought her father, Ivar uh, Ivar e- Brager, was also Sounds excellent. Right. Um, but I I really do think. That I'm going to give my my vote for. Let me try again. Jer Adrian Lilliet. Lilliet. Yeah. No. I I have to I have to agree. Um. I do think that her dad did a great job. Um. Louise Fletcher did a great job. Uh. I think she'll have to settle for the consolation prize of her Oscar. Yeah. Uh. It's no. Oopsie, yeah. No. But... Absolutely. Uh. Jer Adrian Lilliet just crushed it. A uh, really difficult job, especially as a kid actor, to do all of that. Uh, believably so. Congratulations on your oopsie. 
You know, I am sad because uh, what's uh, what's her name again? What was the judge's name again? Louise Fletcher. Louise Fletcher. Yes, she unfortunately uh, is going to be unable to qualify for the Egato, which is the uh, you know the triumphant collection of all of the possible awards. Ah, right. Of course, and the Oopsie, of course. Definitely being on the same caliber mm-hmm. as an Oscar, an Emmy, a Grammy, and a Tony. Yes, the ever-elusive Egato. As far as I Egato. understand, no one has ever achieved it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh, if, if Lin-Manuel does a uh, if that's episode. A, <laughs> mankind has achieved the sub-two-hour marathon today, but the Egato still remains elusive. <laughs> Give it time. We're only in season that's two. True. Give it time. Give it time. Now we need to talk about the greatest actor. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. We didn't really dance to this one. It's not really a dance on the show. Okay, best actor. You know that's always tough because they 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 tack on the some of the best scenes at the end those little i thought the scene right. with, with jimmy and the Nellora was excellent i thought that uh michael and uh cameron were great i thought that dylan and um steve harris's scene at the end of this episode was great too so there's a lot of great work being done throughout the episode though i feel like uh eugene had the most to work with I thought Steve yeah. had the most kind of fertile material, and he, as always, sells it. And and since he's kind of been my MVP all through the season, I feel like I'm going to give my vote uh, to Steve Harris to close out season two. Yeah, no, I I think I'm probably going to come down uh, agreeing with you. Although I I have to throw uh, a little uh, congratulations off to Kelly Williams, mm-hmm. who because it's she had sort of a comedic part in uh, in Lindsay's sort of like fakery going on and the fake phone calls and the fake computer stuff. Uh, she actually played the comedy pretty well. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so I, I thought she did a very good job. And and Lara Flynn Boyle, while I thought her character was despicable, she, as the actress, threw in a couple of moments there that made us see that the this despicable behavior was not inconsequential to the character. And I think that's, that's some good work and some nonverbal acting there. But I'm with you. I'm going with Steve Harris. Congratulations, Steve, on your oopsie. Now, I'm, I'm very curious next week when we do our season recap episode, who is winning? Who has the most oopsies so far this season? And will that factor into who we choose as the the oopsie winners season-wide? And does anybody care? That one, I think we have an answer to. <laughs> yeah, that one, that's no. Uh, that one, I feel like we're pretty confident on the outcome. No one cares about that. Meanwhile, Sean's Which... somewhere driving. He just pulled over the side of the road. He's like, I care. I exist. <laughs> I will be heard. <laughs> uh, you know, Sean cares about a lot of this. I don't think this part's one of them, but I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to our next award. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Okay, the season finale of the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady. Uh, he and it was a light episode for him. It was a light episode for Tom, although he had a pretty, uh, a pretty, a, a pretty daunting Thursday this past Thursday. 
<laughs> Not that daunting. No, 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 no. He basically uh, ran laps around the Giants. I, it was daunting for the first half. Yes. He he which, woke up at halftime and then became Tom Brady. I was texting my brother-in-law, who was also a Giants fan, and when it was 14-14, we're like, even if we lose 50-14, to we're both excited. He really had to. Well, and it was in 4K, so, you know, well, sort it, of. Four- it was, sorry, it's it, it's an upconverted 1080i, or 1080p. 4K? But 4K? Um, But, you know, let's not belabor the point. Keith and I actually had a very lengthy conversation, probably too lengthy, about the definitive rules of the Tom Brady War for being Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, we've decided that it's about, you have to be the football player, Tom Brady. Did we? Well, I don't think we did. I think for legal purposes, we decided that that's the best tactic. Well, no, we have to use a photo of the football player, Tom Brady. But oh. if there's another Tom Brady whose essence we can give the award to, but not tag them on Instagram. Keith, you don't know this. Uh, you, we can probably assume, but what if over the next six seasons of the practice, we come across yeah. an extra with the name Tom Brady? Wow. Heads will roll. Heads will roll. It's going to quite the showdown. But in lieu of that, I'm going to give it to number 12, Tom Brady. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm with you. You've sold me. Congratulations, Tom Brady, on winning the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Which means we only have one thing to do for the rest of the season. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Well, I'm starting to crash a little bit from that run, and so my my enthusiasm has waned. You'll remember Mike last needs week. needs a sandwich. Let, yes, he does. He's going to get one very shortly. Do you see my wife's Halloween village behind me, by the way? I do. Oh, that's a Halloween village. Yeah, yeah you know, my wife has a very similar one. <laughs> I don't doubt it. So last week, even though the episode was kind of schlocky, I loved it. As as <laughs> you sure did. Listeners will recall this one. You know, at least there's some symmetry. The title is called No Rhyme or Reason. The murder case of this child, there's no rhyme or reason why he killed his mom. And there's sort of no rhyme or reason to this episode in the main case. I felt the case to be like, what are they trying to say? Like, yeah. for a minute, I thought it was, it was in both cases, it was trying to be about something like Eugene's saying that we got to, even if the guy's guilty, we got to stand by the Sixth Amendment. We got to stand by our principles. Even though they, like you said, they split the hair very effectively. Um, and in the main case, they didn't even try to make a point. They didn't even try to... Take a side. Take a side or make a comment on it. The best they could do was an Academy Award winner giving a monologue that didn't really make any sense. Yeah. If this one kid can kill his mom, then there's no hope. What the hell kind of message is that? Yeah. So I have to ding it for that. The performances were solid. I love that we got... I mean, I'm a sucker for a cliffhanger, but sometimes I find them to be... Oh, I just punched everything. I find them to be... Your uh, cat behind you was like, what the fuck, dude? A little tedious. But uh, they gave us just enough... They planted just enough seeds for next season. Is Eugene's on the fence. He doesn't know how long he can stand it. Uh... Helen might come to work for the firm. We've got this big case on the horizon. So there's enough stuff to keep us in. So 
all is not lost. I loved the Bob Dylan song at the end, except I get ready for some hate mail. I'm I don't like Bob Dylan. Whoa. I love oh, I love his songs. I just find his voice to be like a knife in my face. Well, it's not really about his voice, obviously. Well, okay. But it is. Well, it's about his songwriting. Yeah, I agree. It's about Carol like, King's songwriting know. too, but she's can she sounds good too. Um Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's taste. Side note. Anyway, I'm going to give it seven. Send your letters. Seven to spare podcast. tires. Seven spare tires. Seven spare tires. Okay. Yeah. I know. I think that's fair. I, this is another episode, and I feel like the tail end of this season has been like this. It's like David E. Kelly, who I love. Obviously, I'm doing a fucking podcast about his show. He lobbied hard for this podcast, by the way, people. I did. I did. And it seems like. He's a tremendously talented writer and a great showrunner and a and a you know just a really good storyteller. But the end of the season feels like the end of the ten mile run, where all the elements are smart. It's done by a talented, smart person who really needs a sandwich <laughs> because it it's all sort of there, but it doesn't quite make sense. Doesn't yeah, and and so I feel like. Uh, the points are getting missed a little bit. The logic is getting a little blurry. Um, and I think this episode felt, it didn't feel like a season finale. It felt like a mid-season episode setting up the finale. You know, I, I'm excited about the asbestos case. Like, that sounds really interesting. They could have flopped last week and this week, and it would have made more sense. Definitely absolutely um because even though last week made no sense it definitely was much more finale yeah and then you have jimmy with the cane starting next season right then the stakes were higher yeah it i mean to be fair this whole episode or this whole episode this whole season has been i could use a sandwich this whole season has been out of order too so it's been very sort of like uh yeah, so all told, I'm going to give it 6.75 spare tires. <laughs> you know, I'm always going to give you bad math because you always you text just me said the, seven. the link. It's so close. You could have just done it, but no. No, no, no. I just wanted to, I wanted the world to know I thought it was a little bit not as good as you did. Mm, that's fair. I could have used a whole episode about trying children as adults. Yeah, you really. I, feel like I thought you wanted to get more, more on your. I feel like you wanted to get more on your soapbox about that. Well, I do. Yeah, because it's not really rating the episode; it's rating life. Six point eight seven five. <laughs> by the way, very good. Yeah, no, I mean, I will. I think I've made it very clear, but I am passionately against trying children as adults. Is there any circumstance, uh, any at all, that you think that that is proper? No, because for me, it's like it's. It's like our country's history of executing people with mental disabilities. And it's like, I don't care what the circumstances are. You are physically not capable of the of the type... Like, your brain does not process information in the way that an adult person does. And so it's just... No, there should absolutely be... A, if your age... Is if you're not an adult as an age, if your IQ is below average, whatever, we need to have 
rules in case for people who are just not capable of making decisions the same way that you or I could. What if you're not 18, but uh-huh. you think that you're Lizzie Borden? Uh, still the same thing. If you think you're an adult? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I think all laws should work the way consent laws do. And, you know, if you're talking about sexual you're, you're consent... You're presupposing that consent laws work. Oh, I'm not saying they work, but I'm saying that there there are very hard, fast rules. You know, if you're a day before 18, you're a juvenile. And so those rules are, you know, and I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that 18 should be the number i don't know what the number is i think you need to talk to some neurologists to figure out exactly when your brain becomes fully formed and fully developed but i sure as hell know it's not at 13 this coming from a man speaking to me with close to 60 action figures displayed behind his head oh i it's closer to 100 hmm. <laughs> well folks yes well folks you know I can always tell when you want me to start playing the play out. <laughs> I start the episode, I cue it up. I'm really yeah. about to fall down. That was a very leading well, folks. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to join in the fun at the end of season two, beginning season three, you can do so writing us an email. Tell us how much you love us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Or do us a favor, go ahead and join the jury. Jump over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a ranking. Doesn't have to be a high one, could be a low one, but say something, we will read it and welcome you to the jury. You can follow us on the social medias at Out of Practice Podcast, or you can check out our blog and all of the great social media work and funny pictures Keith puts up at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. We, as always, want this to be a little bit more interactive. We really do appreciate every single one of our listeners. We're very we self-deprecating. Need attention. Yes, we are very self-deprecating, but the truth is, uh, though we love talking to ourselves, we also love uh, hanging out with each other and with all of you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and all that stuff. Keith, what am I missing? Uh, no, I think you've made it very clear. Please be our friend. <laughs> <laughs> So go up to your safe, open it up, grab that laser gun, and shoot some laser sounds right into your mom. (laughs) Season two ends with shoot some laser sounds into your mom. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, I broke Keith. Oh, laser sounds. And dear mom. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero, Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. This podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of One. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20, but a wisdom of one.